Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Dealing with change and transition within the gifted family. Welcome everyone to Someone Gets Me and I have my friend Julie Postma here and she's amazing. And you're going to love listening to her because Julie has experience with change and transition, not only in her career as a gifted adult woman, but she's also a gifted mom of four gifted kids. And they've had a lot of change and transition just as growth happens. They've moved across the country. They've done all kinds of things within this family. So Julie is an expert on multiple levels about this topic. So get your tea, Get ready to listen to some really great tips about how to deal with change and transition, especially for us sensitive, gifted, twice exceptional folks where sometimes transition is a little tricky. So, Julie, welcome so much to the show. Thank you for being here with me on Someone Gets Me. I'm going to have so much fun with you today. You are so awesome. Thank you for having me. And I just love you to death. So thank you for everything you do. And you're just fun. So we're going to have fun. (laughs) So. Talk a little bit about my fears. I'm going to come right out of the gate. Transition is really difficult sometimes for us gifted folks. We don't like it too much, especially if we have to transition to something we don't want to do, right? So what are some things that you have, that you do in your personal life, or maybe that you've taught your children to help make making a transition more palatable? Yeah, um, you know, I think my life experiences have kind of sort of (laughs) prepared me for this journey in the early days, even because I grew up as a um, only child to a single mother in the in the 60s and 70s. And uh, it was a very uncertain time. She didn't have any money. She was trying to work. And um, I had to go between babysitters. And then I was a latchkey kid. And school was my safe place. So I loved school. I'd get a hot meal <laughs> at lunch. And I was one of those kids. And um, and so I learned at an early age, you know, it, it was about survival, really. And, um, you know, you didn't have a lot of um, options, really, to be comfortable or trying to you know, you just had to survive. And um, so that was a big part of my early years. And so when I went off to college, um, thankfully, I had some really impactful teachers in my, when we moved to our new town in Fridley, Minnesota, from Plymouth, I'm a Minnesota girl. Um, That was such a blessing for me, because uh, fourth grade, I had Mr. Bavacqua. (laughs) And uh, he was a very safe, I've had some you know, abuse in my past as well from men um, in my mother's life. And so, um, so he was a very safe person. And the first teacher I ever really had that not only got me, (laughs) someone got me and he did, he just was very nurturing. And um, I was the shy little girl, which I turned out to people when I tell them after, you know, years later, like you were shy. Yeah, I was really shy. And, um, And so anyway, that was really impactful. And he saw something in me that I didn't know I had. He gave me a lot of self-confidence. We had to read for a part in a play 
uh, for Dorothy of Wizard of Oz. And everybody had to read out loud. And I love reading. Reading was my sort of go-to place. No matter where I was, I could always read and get, get, find my escape in books and adventure. So that was a big thing for me and um, in my early days. So he liked what he saw. And he said, you've got so much talent there, Julie. I would really like you to play Dorothy. <laughs> and I said, I'm not getting on stage and singing and doing this. He's like, no, you really are good. And we'll all be in this together. We're going to make the props and we're going to write the script, you know. And um, and so, you know, it was really, I still remember those days in fourth grade. And that that community sort of came around and I had some lifelong friends that um, I ended up, you know, kind of getting nurtured through their families too. So, cause we had a pretty traumatic home that I grew up in that my mother married <laughs> in Fridley and uh, it was my escape. So I think that those early days and then going off to college, I had another senior teacher, Mr. Lou in English lit and back to my reading days. Um, I never thought that I would find my passion in Macbeth, <laughs> you know, some of these really Shakespeare heavy things. And uh, loved it. I just loved it. And I was the cheerleader and I was the popular, you know, whatever. And and I remember Mr. Lou pulling me aside and he said, you know, I don't want you to take this the right wrong way um, because you're very pretty. You're popular. But I honestly, you are so smart and you have so many gifts in this, um, how you are able to take something so complex and make it yours and bring it to so other people can understand what this is um and really have meaningful dialogue around that um you have a gift there and i never saw that as a gift back then he said i really want you to go off to college you've got so many things that you know going for you so i did i went off to the university of minnesota up in duluth <laughs> the cold cold minnesota days and uh, and that's kind of where I launched, you know, with self confidence and learning and getting my degree. I was the first one in our family to ever get a degree. I got my University of Minnesota. Um, Soda, I got my business bachelor of science degree in business and in marketing. So um, so those are the early days in transition that I think really helped me because yeah, I I had. I did not have an easy life. I mean, if you can tell the hair in <laughs> 56 when I look at that journey, but those, those early days of sort of being getting prepared, I, I go back to those days, even as I've changed careers and we've moved across country, as you mentioned, we have four intense kiddos that are now young adults, all different in challenges and gifts in, in their own uh, respect. And, um, putting on the baseball hat and being mom to them and their extended friends over the years. Um, yeah, that, and, you know, early on, I, I found, um, a good friend who led me to my faith, my Christian faith. And, um, and I'm such an intense person that I didn't just like dabble in it. I just, when I was searching and searching and when I found the, um, the Christian faith, uh, it was on a Friday night with my, I was a single mom with my little Mickey, um, at following almost in the same footsteps as my mother. Um, and a friend led me and had a great new job. I met her on the first day of the job. And so we went to this church service together on a Friday night. And I'll never forget that that sermon was all about God loves you. And 
he promises, the Lord promises he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And as an abandoned child dealing with those traumatic issues, that's the verse I clung to and hung on to. And I jumped right in. And um, and I was just, I had just met my husband, Mike, Dr. Mike Postma, um, 20, well, we'll be married 27 years coming up here soon. And uh, we met in Mexico. <laughs> I was a single mom with little Nikki, who was three. And uh, he was in Canada and I was in Minnesota and I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. And we were kind of doing a long distance thing for about six months. And, and then when I, when I, you know, turned the corners, this is the journey I'm on. I'm all for Jesus, you know, and he's like, oh, I thought for sure he would leave. You know, he was living in Vancouver, British Columbia. And he's like, he's like, wow, you know, that is amazing. And his faith journey is a whole nother story, but we came together and the net of it is he moved to Minnesota, packed everything he had because I had, you know, my Nikki, I had to stay in Minnesota and uh, we got married six months later and we had three kids together uh, along with raising Nikki in a blended family. So um, we had to teach a lot of even Nikki about how to deal with change and transition <laughs> when she had two families. We lived like within a mile of my ex and his new wife and she'd get on the bus at dad's house and get off at our house. And, you know, we, we sort of, you know, worked together as four of us to, to help her through that. So, sorry, that's a long winded story. There's nothing like simple in my life. <laughs> oh, so, so when we have people like, and, and you've got a whole family full of people who are gifted and twice exceptional and, and change and transition can be, have all kinds of experiences, you know, the joyful, amazing things and the tricky things and the hard things and all of that. When you look at your children, what do you see as assets that they have as a result of learning how to deal with transition in well, because of the way that you and Mike have run the family? Like, what do you see about them that's a skill or an asset that they have now as young adults that they learn as they grew up? Well, when we moved down to the Carolinas, um, that the kids were all sort of in there. Um, Amanda was in fifth grade. Alex was in seventh grade and Sean was in ninth grade. Sean was the only one that had an IEP. He's on the spectrum. He has Asperger's. Um, he's high, highly functional, highly gifted in outdoors and biology and science and nature. And Alex is our athlete boy and very brilliant in math. And um, just strategy and just very, I mean, off the chart smart, but yet he's very social anxiety. He has a lot of anxiety like I do. And I have had all my life. It's been a lifelong battle for me. And so um, social anxiety was a tough one for him going into a new school in, in a new environment um, in the Carolinas from Minnesota. So I think, you know, I still reflect back on this whole thing because he just, we just got him. <laughs> to see Tacky's meeting his buddies that he's had since he was age 14 gaming buddies who knew he's 22 now that you know one of them is a sponsored gamer for Fortnite. <laughs> it makes six figures you know back then you know eight years ago we didn't know what all this was about with the internet but that's he bonded with his like-minded friends that um that had the same passions, whether they were in Virginia or Florida or New York City or whatever. And that was his safe place. And and so that was back when he was in seventh grade because he he really struggled. And 
and we, we talk about it now. And he said, if I hadn't, if we stayed in Minnesota, I would have been in a safe place. I would have been playing hockey, baseball, had the same friends since kindergarten, but moving down there and having to deal with such a hard transition of, you know, like the teacher called on him in seventh grade and he was panicked and mortified because he said, I couldn't understand what she was saying. She had such a heavy Southern drawl accent and we're coming from Minnesota, you know, oh, no. I couldn't understand her and everybody's looking at me and I'm like, oh, honey, you know, it's going to be okay. Um, you know, find that one friend. And so he did, he ended up finding a one friend that really reached out to him. who was also from the Northeast that had just moved down there. And Brandon, his buddy, um, he, I called them my weekend kiddos. They'd come over every weekend and just be kids, you know, whether it's skateboarding or jumping on the tramp or playing basketball or swimming in the pool, it was a safe place. And we always said that to our kids, that no matter what you're going through in all these hard places, our family and our home is always going to be a safe place for you. And our kids would always bring their friends. And a lot of these kids early on, they didn't have safe places at their own home. So we were sort of that home. Mm -hmm. I quit my job in the corporate America so I could be home with the kids during that time. Um, and that was really hard because my identity was really wrapped up into who I was and what I had achieved in the corporate world. And it was really stressful. Don't, don't get me wrong. I was happy to leave it because it was killing me. The stress was killing me. And there was just no way you can balance those big, big things from family to, you know, the workload and traveling and all of those things that go along with that. So we made a decision that our family comes first and we're, we're team Postma. So if that means dad's working full time now, I carried the bag, you know, for five years while Mike got his doctorate and stayed home with the kids when they were young. And then now it's my turn, you know, when they're in their foundational years to stay home and instill a sense of um, confidence, safety, um, love, and just finding out what are your skills and passions? What do you want to do? You know, and so we ended up having to pull two of the three kids out, um, actually all three at one time. And I homeschooled them. We did no school. We did homeschool. We did fun adventures, passion projects. Um, you know, those, those years we look back on were so fundamental in so many ways. And I'm so thankful now when I, when, as they're older now, because they go back to those days of, I got through some really hard stuff when I was 13 and I'm okay. You know what I mean? I'm yes. going to be okay. So yeah, those are, those are big years for us. And I think a point you bring up is, is extremely valuable for everybody. And that is safety that yeah. you made the decision that your home was going to be a safe place for your children and their friends and whoever, no matter what. And that level of commitment and understanding the importance of safety. Cause I think Sometimes more and more in the gift of world, we hear how safety is required, you know, in order for us to thrive. And a lot of times people in the world, they just don't understand what it really means, how it feels, what it is, you know, being understood on those deep levels and being allowed to be whoever we are, those deep levels. And that safety is really, really important, especially in, in the face of transition or dealing with change or anything. Because if we're not safe, our foundation's real shaky and real rocky. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's it's a very important 
thing to note. Well, and I didn't have safety growing up, so I could share stories, um, you know, of the impact. And I almost got, I feel like I almost got a chance to relive my childhood through my kids, you know, because it was a safe place. And it was, you know, I mean, nobody's perfect. We all have our issues and things and challenges, but at the end of the day, we are a family and it was safe and we were loved. And that carried us through a lot of hard, hard times. For sure. And so a lot of times people think that, um, or I hear this, that if somebody says they're gifted or their family's gifted, in this case, it's all six of you. Um, we hear a lot that, oh, that's elitist or, you know, y'all, y'all think it's easy or, or I keep hearing all the time where well, you're smart, you should know, or it's easy for you because you're gifted, to which I say, not so fast, um, that the more nuanced or overexcitabilities or twice exceptionality, the more flavor of gifted, because there's not just one thing. It can be extremely tricky to navigate this often insensitive world. And it takes a lot of extra care. And it's easily misunderstood by um, other people. And I've even, me as a twice exceptional gifted adult, have even been misunderstood by other gifted people, because people sometimes, our brains think everybody's the same when really nobody's the same. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so you all, you and a Mike started gifted and thriving, which is a great business that helps gifted people thrive with safety, with love, with understanding, with education, with support, all of those things. So say a little bit about how did that get started? What happened? How did that idea come to the two of you? And Tell us a little bit about the birth of this project. I think it's just amazing. <laughs> I never, I've never heard the story of how it all got started. So I've been, I've been really wanting to ask you this. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, you know, our life is full of changes and transitions, and our family has been, like you said, one of the <laughs> biggest always going on. So, so yeah, we moved across. So when we first moved to the Carolinas, we moved. Um, to Charlotte area, Fort Mill. And uh, we were there for about three and a half years. And Mike was being, uh, was recruited to build out gifted schools down there. And um, that's when I quit my job and all of that. And so, um, so we were there for about three and a half years and that was a mess in a lot of different, I don't need to go into it, but we said, you know what, we need to really start sort of our own thing because I'm not, I've always wanted to be a blogger and I was looking into that and I thought, well, I can do some marketing, cons- coaching and consulting for small businesses because I got a marketing degree. I'm sorry. I have a really noisy dog in front and behind me. <laughs> so she's like tearing something apart over here. I apologize. That's okay. but, she, gets to, she gets to be part of the show too. She's yeah. Like, oh. she, you see all the noise. So anyway, she, um, so um, again, our middle son, Alex, was really struggling big time. And Amanda, we had to totally pull her out because she has, she's highly gifted. She's, I mean, like probably in the profoundly gifted, but she's an um, artist. So she does a lot of um, animation and graphic arts design. So that's been her sort of venue to to vent because she doesn't talk. And so very often, and it's hard to get stuff out. And so she would communicate through her art. Thank God she had that gift, you know, that, that venue for her, but none of it, I thought, okay, we can take Sean and Amanda and keep them homeschooled and finish and do what we need to do. Um, but Alex, we need to get him through school. So if we can, he didn't have a 504, he didn't have an IEP. 
And so we we didn't want to move back to Minnesota at that time. And we thought, well, let's do a search for North Carolina, South Carolina on the schools that could accommodate Alex. And there was two schools, one in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, Raleigh-Durham area, and one in Wilmington, Hampstead County, or in Hampstead, which is um, Pender County, by the beach in Wilmington. And we're like, okay, let's check out the beach. <laughs> we can kind of have some fun with this, right? So we did, and um, they had an amazing uh, principal at the time and and counselor that was able to say, you know, whatever he needs will support him. You know, he's clearly he's gifted. And he's also, they were like a top state champion for baseball, and he was deep baseball. He was being recruited in eighth grade for deep Division I um, scholarships back in the day. So we thought, well, what a great match. So none of it is. Um, it was it was a really tough three years for him, um, and it was in and out of school, in and out of school, and thankfully they gave him the accommodations he needed, so he did graduate. But at the same time, Mike then has stepped in as he was on the board for Sang, supporting the emotional needs of the gifted. And when I was like helping um, small businesses with their marketing communications and, you know, business plans, I would write, help write business plans for small businesses. I thought, you know, we should do one for us. Um, Cause you've been doing side consulting, you speak, you do all this, you know, he created his own simple flyer. I'm like, we need to find the right venue for a website. And so I started researching all that. And with my business background, you know, it had changed in online marketing and the in the web development and all the affiliates and the links and all the <laughs> SEOs. I'm like, whoa, I'm way over my head on this. But that's kind of how it was birthed. It's just a thought. And at that time, we were just working on our kids, getting our kids through school, finding, you know, Mike then transitioned to being the executive director for Sing because they had some transitions that were really volatile and they needed some stability. So I stepped in as a volunteer to help um, do a lot of the Sing events, you know, with the marketing and the, um, you know, all of the events, the annual conference and all that stuff. So um, that was really kind of the first time we really started working together because I always had my career and he always had his career. And, um, and it was funny because it was actually at a sing event in Denver years ago that they asked us to talk about our family journey um, in one of the sing presentations we did in Denver. And it was so like out of body experience. Like I speak to executives and CEOs and corporate level, you know, presentation type stuff. He speaks on stages at events and conferences. And here we are in this room speaking. And I'm like, oh, I'm speaking with my husband. And <laughs> this is really weird. <laughs> this feels really weird. It just does. It felt really weird. So, um, so that's kind of how the idea started. And then you know, once Alex graduated, and I won't get into that story, that's a whole nother story. And it actually went viral. And there's a Yahoo article on <laughs> this whole baseball thing with him. But um, anyway, um, we, um, our daughter got married in Minnesota. We were kind of starting to chart, okay, we got Alex through, we need to kind of figure out what our next chapter is for our family. And um, we did a lot of prayer and fasting in that January to really kind of figure out what is our guidance where, you know, we have family out here, my aunt and uncle and cousins, the one safe family part that I did have growing up, 
are here out here in, in um, Anacortes in the San Juan Islands, beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Mike's from Vancouver, BC. So he's family there. And, um, you know, I love it here. This is like my soul here, you know, with the trees and the beauty and nature. And it's also with our kids. There was animation opportunities for our youngest daughter. There's, you know, Alex was looking to become a sports trainer with a kinesiology degree. There's colleges here and then outdoor nature for Sean. So we thought, let's start our business um, when we get out to Washington State. There's no state income tax here. So that was another reason. <laughs> and we have family here. So we launched um, January 2020, <laughs> right in the pandemic. We launched um, Gifted and Thriving. And so we registered it with the state of Washington. And we had a lot of, you know, I put the business plan, we put the business plan together. And I love that part of the planning and the strategy. But we really saw Mike's been speaking all over for years, but we just see such a need for families. You know, there's just like, even the parents that are getting help are, you know, just dealing with trying to survive for their kids, but there's not a lot of supporting the parents and and dealing with how do you look at the holistic family and how do we self-care for yourself when you're trying to survive for your kid and carrying that burden well we carried it for years we know what it feels like and it hadn't if it had not been for the same community all those years back then and our family connection we had with them we wouldn't have been able to do this it was our lifeline so we wanted to create mike's got an educational doctorate um degree and he used to write curriculum and built gifted schools and and I have the business part and the marketing and the family and the mom and the you know trying to bring bring this together to fill in the gaps of what's not being met in our community because I see it as we're just filling in the gaps of where we can help and where we can be so what you need, whatever you need, and um, we will create it. And so we've created parent support groups. We've um, Mike does coaching for families. Uh, it isn't just for the kid, the the child. It is, and it's a different approach. It's a family holistic approach. And he's not a he's not a psychotherapist. He's he's an educator that gets these kids and gets these families. So we we are looking to um, build some more curriculum courses. You can go on to our website, um, www.giftedandthriving.com. And it's a work in progress. But I'm telling you, it is so rewarding. Um, it's exhausting trying to build a business in the pandemic, we had to do a full 180 because Mike was doing a lot of teacher training workshops and then now the schools closed out. (laughs) So we're like, well, what is on, you know, online course courses and teaching, that's a huge need. So we, we shifted gears and we started developing online courses and we've got a bunch of uh, community things that we're launching and um, support and, we love it. It's just very humbling. Um, and I love our community. And it just feels so incredibly rewarding to be able to give back and be part of this this group that, especially in the times that we're in, you know, it's so uncertain and scary. And we need community more than ever right now. And uh, that's what we want to do. Yeah, I've been talking for years about having lots of support and varied support, you know, like we're talking in the gifted world a lot about multiple peer groups. And I 
and I believe that, and, and I work with families primarily. Um, and a lot of people don't do that with the gifted family part. Like it's a whole unit and everybody has needs and wants. It's not just the kids and it's not just the adults. And I think a lot of people think when they hear the word gifted that they think, okay, well, that's a special stuff kids do in school. And then somehow it's magically done when they're done with those special classes. And, right. and I said, no, I said, it's, it's keeps on going. And once you're gifted, you're always gifted. And well, exactly. You don't stop being gifted when you're 18. And you know, that, that point you said, Diane is so right on because a lot of people don't understand even our own families didn't understand it well they're smart they should be able to figure this out well they saw firsthand that as smart as our kids are they couldn't figure this out this anxiety strangled them and almost you know put them out I mean there's so much more complexities that go along with the intensities of how their brains are wired and what is lacking in support in our in our society today Right. And that support takes me right back to the safety part. Right. Like my mom was gifted, though they didn't use those words, but she was. Right. She was crippled with anxiety and heart palpitations and everybody kept telling her it was in her head. And I only remember this from when I was a little tiny girl coming home from school and she'd be laying on the floor with her hand on her heart. Yeah. With anxiety and no doctor, nobody did anything to help her. And um probably blamed her on some level, though I don't know that, but it feels like that to me. And and it's like, I still have some of the same struggles too. If I get too wired up because I have that overexcitability and that, and my system wants to go there if I let it. Um, and sometimes it goes there even when I don't want it to. And, and people think that um, living in the gifted world and change and transition and things like that, or in the life in general is easier because we're smarter to which I say, that's not the case that I say, I told somebody the other day, if you take a bell curve and you fold it in half and you got a gifted person way out here in the second or third standard deviation with all these sensitivities and things happening, when you fold that bell curve in half, they have equal money of issues in the lower half of that bell curve, whether it's anxiety or whether it's digestion issues or processing issues or social awkwardness, like it goes on and on and on that it's not a simple linear difference. And so when you have a family like yours, where there's six of you in the house and everybody is different (laughs) in different ways, then we deal with life, which is one, you know, the only constant in the world is change according to Socrates. And I think that's true too. So that's um, really interesting. So for all the moms and all the adults out there, whether you're a mom or a dad or just an adult gifted person, I ask you, Julie, what do you and or Mike do for your own self-care in the middle of this crazy, not so sensitive world that's turbulent? And even though your children are older now, they're still your kids, but for your own self-care, what do you do to nurture your heart and soul? That's such a good question. And it's such an important point. Um, It's a journey nobody's, we don't have it figured out either. And when we were in it, we were in the survival mode trying to survive. Right. And so there, there wasn't a lot of self-care, but I will say over all of the years of my faith, um, I always started my day and I still do to this day. It's part of my, it's part of my routine. It's part of my, um, get my day going and get my just perspective of, okay, my faith and my journaling, I journal, I read my Bible every day, I meditate on verses, I pray. That time I have in the early morning is, it's quiet. It's my time 
with my Lord. And that grounds me. It, it gives me, and now the house we're in, I have this beautiful view of Mount Baker right out our front window. And I'm like, okay, you're bigger than these problems. <laughs> you've got this and you've carried us through this, you know, journey and you've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You've provided, you've taken care of us. And I think our kids have seen this play out in our own family faith walk, seriously, because uh, we've lived it. We lived it and it was not easy and it's not easy. It doesn't get easier, um, especially when you get older. You think, oh, gosh, I should have had that figured out by now. But I'm like, no, it's getting harder. <laughs> right. So and I always hear and I always hear you're smart. You should know that already. And I'm like, yeah, Just no, I can't get over it. But then, you know, environment is everything, as you know, also, Diane. And that has been so huge for us. And while we love the Carolinas, um, we lived there for eight years. Um, it wasn't our home. We all knew it. We were just trying to get through that 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 period of time to get Alex through school. We knew it was not our home. And I didn't want to go back to Minnesota because I didn't feel like that was, while a big part of my heart still, will always be there, I didn't want the cold anymore. And so we had to find our environment that was going to work for us. And that is here. I mean, I tell you, I... My son, Sean, and I talk about it all the time because you could just see the presence of just being in the environment here. It's so beautiful and it's green and the flowers are blooming and the mountains are big and we live by the ocean. All these natural beauty, you know, environmental things are huge for us. So we go for hikes. I take my dog for a walk and just being able to throw a stick and have her chase it. And, you know, she's got some OCD. <laughs> she's got to <laughs> dip it in the water and then bring it back. And <laughs> so, yeah, so my faith and journaling, Mike does crosswords when he's like intense. He's very introverted. And he's on with, you know, clients all day and presenting in front of people that takes a lot of energy out of him, but he needs, he, he needs his quiet time. And that is crosswords and doing just simple puzzles um, and then make time for each other. Um, we, we always made a point of that, you know, like mom and dad need a break. We're going to go to, I don't know where for two nights, three nights, we just need a break sit in a hot tub and uh, just veg. And our kids have um, seen that, that, you know, that's, we will get through this, but you need to find time. So I'm still on that journey. I'm, I, I have all the sensitivities with the GI stuff, had my whole life um, health issues. I can't do gluten. I can't do this. I can't do that. So now we've kind of turned that diet thing um, of all these new recipes, um, and made it fun. So we, we do a lot of experimenting with cooking together in the kitchen and that's fun. I enjoy cooking and I'm learning about all these different herbs and replacements and food. So you got to find what works for you. Um, those are things that work for me. And I was always involved in a, in a ladies Bible group. And I'm telling you, I, Tuesday mornings where I could not wait for these Tuesday where it used to be. I'd have to get on an airplane, get the family all ready and be gone until Thursday night. Tuesday morning in the Carolinas was put on my baseball cap and go to the ladies Bible study where down in the South, they love their food. <laughs> they would have this huge spread. I'm like, I've never seen half these foods before. I love food too. <laughs> so yeah, so you got to find your thing and you really do need to find it. I have had to turn off the news 
because uh, I was a news junkie. And it was just stressing me out. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it um, because there's just too much going on. So taking that screen time away is so helpful. And our kids are learning to do the same, even though it's harder because, you know, our one son, Sean's not so much, but Alex is, was always, and he's like, no, I can't do it anymore either. Cause he, he struggles with anxiety as well. Um, so yeah. So those are a few things that have carried us through the years for sure. But look at, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> so I look at the hair. <laughs> well, it, it's really cool that you mentioned seeing Mount Baker out your window because I, um, I, well, I lived in Florida for until a couple of years ago. And now of course in North Carolina, but I have some good friends that lived in Seattle for a while. And, and I used to fly out there to visit them. In fact, I think I visited them more in Seattle when they, than when they were local. I don't really know how that <laughs> but that's true. And so one, well, my first trip out there, I kept saying, I love this place. I love this place. I just love the energy, the vibe. Yeah. The I've spent time on Pender Island and in Vancouver and I love it out there. Yeah. And I remember the first time when um, I visited and we went up in the Space Needle because, you know, that's obligatory when you're from Florida and you go. And, <laughs> and so you could see Mount Rainier from the Space Needle, which apparently is not always doesn't always happen. Right. Of haze or fog or clouds or rain. Yeah. Or whatever. I didn't understand it then. I get it now, but like, I didn't know. But it was really clear. And then the cityscape was in front of it. And so I took a picture of it. Well, the interesting thing was when. I looked at the picture later. You couldn't see Mount Rainier on the film, but you could see it when you were standing there. And I remember saying that, you know, the power of being grounded in the creator of the universe, whatever you want to call that, that mountain transcends all the human buildings that got made because you could see those. But that mountain was, was so full of majesty mm-hmm. and beauty that it couldn't even be captured on the film. No kidding. And and I have I remember that day very, very clearly because it was so profound to say all of it was beautiful. And yet there was a categorical difference for the beauty of the big mountains and the glaciers and the and the green and all the experiences that go with the power of our earth, of Mother Earth and all of her greatness and all that goes with it. So when you said that about my hood, I thought of that. And um yeah, because it it was very, very um, grounding for me. And, and that's one of the things that helps with the anxiety that's in my system. Um, all the gifted people I know, we all have some kind of different vibration. I just call it different vibration. Like you can call it anxiety and call it agitated depression. You, <laughs> you want to. And the thing is, is our vibration is not typical and it's all different between us. So like you might be having one kind of vibration and I might be having another. It's still not average. <laughs> um, and so we have to find our own ways to deal with transition, our own ways to deal with life in general and the changes of just day-to-day things. So um, now everybody go make sure you check the show notes and go to giftedandthriving.com and go check them out because um, what Mike and Julie are doing is amazing. And I got to participate in their annual event, which is really fun. And that was fun. Yeah, really fun. And, and so one of the things I want to ask you is with all of your travels around and everything, what's the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Oh, gosh, that's hard. Okay, so I love um, ribs and wings. I'm just like a, a sports gal. I grew up with football and I played football when I was in flag football as a girl. I was the quarterback. You know, I love everything about so in Minnesota, I'd always make for the football Viking games, I'd always make wings and chili and made all the whole thing. 
And um, so we moved down to the South and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have never had wings that are like this good. <laughs> the sauces and all the different sauces. And I've never had ribs that were that good or pulled pork that were that good. You know, so um, and and we travel around for our son's baseball tournaments in the state. And some of the most divey places you'd ever imagine were at the baseball field where the food truck would pull up. It was the diner dives and diners show on the food network where that guy Ferrari would get his car. He was actually at one of the events at the baseball tournament with this pulled pork sandwich that they, they, I don't know how they cooked it. I don't know how, what sauce they could come up with, but it was, it it was one of these food experiences. I will never forget it. (laughs) Of course, again, and my mouth is even watering, right? Oh, so good. Yeah, love that stuff. But it doesn't love me, so I can't do that anymore. But it's that's a wonderful memory. Oh, yeah, that's totally cool. Okay, so is there anything that you wanted to share today that I didn't ask you about? Because I have one final question before we close. But before I do that, I want to make sure there's not something on your heart that you would like to share um, before I ask you that question. You're so sweet. And you know what? We are a community and we need to stick together. And I just really value what you're doing and all the work you're doing as well. And I just, I'm humbled to be part of it. And I just, I'm so grateful that we have each other and, you know, we need to stick together. We really do. And it, because we do get each other, you know, you don't have to explain. I and mean, whenever we do our parent support groups, which we have um, one kicking off at March 27th for six weeks, um, everybody says the same thing over and over. You, We don't have to explain ourselves here. You get it. You have that experience. So just get connected. However, you can find your people. Go to our website. We've got a support group launching coming up. But yeah, because that's how you get through this crazy, intense world that we live in today. <laughs> it's being connected. And so to keep reaching out and keep going until you find all the, all your peeps. Because they're out there. We're all out there. Sometimes that's right. Sometimes it takes a little digging, but we can get there. That's right. So here, here's your final question of the show that I love to ask. And that is, if we were going to put a billboard up that the whole world was going to see with Julie's quote on it to inspire the world, what would your quote be for that billboard? Oh, gosh. Oh, um, I don't know. Um, just be real. Be be real. Be who you are. Be who your creator designed you to be. Find out who that is and uh, stay in your lane. Don't compare yourself to others. Just find your place and what your gifts are and be okay with that. That's who you, you were designed to be. You know? So go for it. I love it. Love Go for it. Julie, thank you so much for being on Someone Gets Me today. Thank you for thank your you. time. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for your great energy. I really appreciate oh, you being here. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Remember, everybody, keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and be real. Be your authentic self. And like Julie says, connect with all the people that go with you, right? Do it, connect, be you, and everything will turn out better than you imagine. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. 
or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.